Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Welcome to another episode of the Tej Talks podcast. This time we are bringing back Mr. Rich Little, uh, who gave away a free skydive and mastermind sessions last time. It was an awesome podcast. Uh, and today we're talking about supported living. And it's incredible, um, you know, the kind of fully repairing, insuring leases that are available to landlords. But actually the problems that landlords and care providers have kind of communicating and getting these things arranged. So we talked through that. We also had a good chunk talking about the market. Now, this was recorded in early August, so of course things will be different, but it was very, very interesting and it echoes a lot of what I'm hearing from, I guess, you know, reliable slash educated sources. So a nice little bit of insight into the market and onto supported living and how it's different from social housing and how actually you can do some pretty awesome deals from it, um, including selling things to funds once you've got a lease in them, and how they pay way, way, way over market rent. If you haven't left a review for the podcast, you can, would you believe it, on the Facebook page or on an iTunes or Apple device. If you're looking for investments, give me a shout. Rich Little, welcome again to the Test Talks podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be back again. It's good it, to see you again as well. It's good to have you back. I remember when your podcast first released, it was in the top five listens for a good, I would say the, a good part of a year. It's dropped out now. I ha, you know, it has. But you know what people are like, right? You've got to have something yes. decent to like pick things up. So it was a great episode um, hmm. and a very, very interesting story. And you gave away a free skydive, didn't you? We did well. We gave away a few. We did a, a a mastermind. We did two masterminds up in York, and there's been some great success stories out of that. One, if you don't mind me saying, is a, a guy who's very active in in Blue Oak, which I know we're going to talk about Blue Oak as general. But uh, there's a chap Dan Anson Hart, uh, Anson Hart, sorry, who is really killing it in the rent to rent world at the moment, and he basically was just starting came to that mastermind on the back of that podcast and we spoke in that room and not that I want to I want to not that I want to claim credit for <laughs> it because that lad is an absolute ninja at what he's doing but hopefully I might have given him a little bit of inspiration there and to be honest that you should take some credit for that as well because that came on the back of that podcast I actually didn't realize he was part of the crew because yeah I've seen what he's doing he's doing amazing and actually yeah, I, the mastermind, I couldn't make it for some reason. But yeah, like that was, yeah. that was what were there, 10 people or something like that in the room? We did two sessions, go on, one bit. I think there were two sessions of eight we ended up doing, uh, held in the, the principal here in York. Um, just two full days of talking, just real good, some real value in the room. You had, had some brilliant people, so some your guests obviously were, and just added value to a lot of people. And I think every single person in there has gone off to do some great things because, and even with each other. So... Yeah, it was a great group of people. That was, go. Oh, we must be 18 months ago. No, probably 12 months ago. I think it was summer last year, May, June last year, we did that. Um, and as you say, you look at Dan now and he must be on, I think he's on rent to rent HMO number seven. He's got two lease options in the pipeline. He's got uh, purchased uh, investor deals as well. So the, the lad has done a lot in the previous 12 months. So all credit oh. to him. Well, big up. And yeah. and yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad that I totally mm. forgot we even did that thing. Yeah. But what a huge, um, what a huge impact it's had on, on, on a few people as well. Amazing. But yeah. today we're talking about something in particular, which is supported living, but we'll get to that. Um, 
what's happened i'm sure there's a lot but what's yeah. happened in property in business in anything for you since we last spoke which was yeah about 12 months ago it was about 12 months ago yes i mean the the biggest one obviously it was great you know one of the things which i spoke a lot about on our previous podcast was how i'd basically grown my property journey alongside of my air force career so i was uh, flying for the air force i was a, a, an instructor with them and I had been for the previous 20, 20 years. So since we last spoke, I've now fully retired. So I've formally retired from the Air Force, which is an interesting concept that I'm now a pensioner. So I get a pension every month from them as well, which is Uncle Rich, nice. I should call you. Yeah, always nice to add into that. They always talk about multiple streams of income, don't they? So all of a sudden, I've just added a, a little pension in there. So I've formally retired and I have gone full time which is an interesting one as well. You know, all of a sudden I've got all this time on my hands where I used to quite like compartmentalizing, right? Property time, flying time, Air Force time, where now it's just property time. Um, so that's one of the big changes. Second one is is Blue Oak and the Blue Oak Property Group, uh, which was a, well, or still is a, a Facebook community that we set up. Um, so uh, myself and, and two others, we set up this community uh, on Facebook, the Blue Oak Property Group. Uh, which is just really a, a place for shared and added value. And it seems to have gone down exceptionally well. We we engage a lot in there ourselves. We add as much value as we can. And on the back of that, we started to run live events. So until what, coronavirus and COVID-19, the whole lockdown scenario, we were running um, monthly events free of, well, they weren't free. We covered costs and we ran a, a large ball in February, which you spoke at, at so we ran a, a charity ball in, in February uh, in York. So it was two full days of, of property content, leadership, uh, business content, and it ended in a black tie, a black tie dinner where we raised some money for charity as well. So all of that really has just been gathering pace, gather, building a true value community rather than a, um, a community, which always potentially is sold to or is you know other things we just wanted to create true value so blue oak has been a fantastic um thing and then really uh supported living so supported living is a and the supported living gateway um which is a a platform and a, and a business which i'm now heavily involved in along with with four other people and the idea behind that is um well Maybe I'll leave the supported living piece till we we'll talk about it, but that's taken a lot of my time. And it's something that I spoke about heavily on that first podcast, my passion really with regards to veterans and homelessness. So the supported living gateway and supported living, it ties in. It's one of the pieces of that jigsaw. But if we, we look back to my previous podcast, you know, I have a passion for the eradication of homelessness within the veteran community, a veteran of over 20 years, myself in the military. And I'd seen people go from the absolute pinnacle of their game where they were real leaders, inspirers, they, people would have followed them and they were as professional as you could possibly get up here in their, in, in their A game. All of a sudden through a, a series of events, um, they could rapidly go downhill. And I saw people, as I say, absolute people I aspire to and look duped to all almost end in in homelessness and lost everything, you know, from lost families, from lost children to lost places where they live. And all of a sudden, you know, looking at that, I thought this shouldn't happen. So I'd spent a lot of time looking into why that happens, the mentality, the, the, the damage that can be done, the, you know, all of the factors that may lead to that. And really one of my passions is to help in that field, to provide accommodation, provide homes and make sure that homelessness within the veteran community doesn't happen. One of the pieces to that jigsaw is the supported living gateway and working with other supported 
housing associations, which we'll, we'll speak about in a moment. I love that. Yeah, we're definitely going to go into yeah. that. So, um, you know, going back to Blue Oak, the community is great. I, I, put, I don't post in it enough, but when I look in it or when I do post in it, it's kind of the place, I think there's certain Facebook groups and some you go to to like show off your new refurb, some you go to to show your mistakes. And then for me, there's Blue Oak where I kind of go to show the mistakes, but also where I go to kind of say, what do I do? You know, I'm trying to build some stairs here. I don't like, like, I think it's a great place to get your questions answered yeah. without someone saying, um, here's half of how you do it, but then it's one nine nine seven and half. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, and, and, and that's what we try to do. And I think that's testament to the to the people we've brought into that community. So there's a huge amount of skill. There's a huge amount of experience in there, potentially from people who previously didn't necessarily engage in in Facebook groups or social media groups, but actually people who were just out there doing it and killing it. Now, all of a sudden, we've managed to bring them into this social media environment where they are very, very happy and prepared to kind of share that education. And I think that's so key. I'm, and it's even this weekend, I kind of engaged with a few people who are, you know, there was one one landlord who, you know, he's got in excess of a thousand properties or a thousand a units. Thou- geez, a thousand wow. units. Now he calls them units. Obviously some of those are bed spaces, HMOs, things like that. So, you know, Let's let's call that a factor. You know, don't get me wrong. The chaps, you know, in his seventies, he's been doing this for the past forty years. You know, he's a proper by the book, old school, as we say, landlord. You know, a true old school landlord. But that the experience that that man has on the little things, you know, with regards to the rules, the regulations, actually how best to do things. Now, I was talking to him about supported living, um, and using some of his properties for this for this strategy. But what I learned from that is he's never even been on social media. You know, so actually. You know, we we spoke about this and spoke about these shared living communities. And he, you know, so what I gathered, but I guess from the, the fluff that I've just said there is there's a lot of people out there who are so, so experienced, who aren't necessarily involved in the traditional Facebook groups that we've tried to pull in and get them involved. And I think Blue Oak's done that. So we've got some real experience that of people who potentially don't engage in other groups, but they're really, really keen to engage and genuinely help within the group. There's joint ventures being flown out the back of it. There's finance being raised for individuals. There's people who've really been handheld to start their community. There's mindset. There's really, there's all the entire spectrum of things that you could potentially want. People are prepared to help without any ulterior motive. Definitely. And everyone is really friendly, maybe because it's, it originates in the North. I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a super friendly and, and that event we, you know, we did and I spoke at was amazing. The crowd mm. were so engaged and so lively and it was just, again, it was just good fun. You know what I mean? Good knowledge. Good I think, fun. and I think that's it. You know, we, everyone, it tries to get into this space to be an entrepreneur in inverted commas, you know, and, and try to work for themselves. Sometimes potentially people don't know why they're even doing it. And that's something that I spend a lot of time, you know, trying to drill down. Why are you even doing this? You know, do you even want, you know, a lot of people come into it, come in, come from the mindset of, I want to leave my job, but actually when you drill down to the roots of it, they, that might not be the, the core reason they may want to do it because they've been swept along in this, in this, bandwagon should we say of of others doing it therefore they don't want to miss the boat the classic shiny penny you're chasing something just because you see somebody else doing it and that's what we wanted to do with that event we wanted to put people in the room have a bit of fun kind of drill down this is why you're doing it there is a good community it's not lonely being an entrepreneur there's all of these people i brought speakers from 
both property background and, you know, a good friend of mine, Dan Laws, who spoke Red Arrows. Mm. Were you there for that one? I'm yeah, not sure whether you it was amazing, there. yeah. And he spoke kind of high-performance leadership. And the reason I wanted to do that is I wanted everybody just to look at, at themselves and look at why they're doing it and look at business and realize that if you – if you concentrate, if you concentrate too focused like this on a property, a business, or trying to move forward like that, and forget about everything out here, actually that becomes far, far harder to achieve. If you look at your leadership, your management, your your inner self, your your you know we we call it high performance habits, your your performance habits. If you concentrate on all of that, actually this this little focus in the middle, this little property journey, will be far, far easier to achieve. It's something that I spend a lot of time talking about and, you know, using those high performance habits, that 1% theory, you know, if, if you are just 1% better every single day, you will always, you will achieve the goal far quicker than just focusing on that. I, I kind of waffle about that a little bit, but it's something that I wanted to, I wanted to bring to that event. We all want to do, and above anything else, we wanted to bring a fun element and hence the black tie, the black tie do afterwards. Great you know, dancing, drinking, there was some music there. We raised, you know, we raised, God, best part, £15,000 for charity that evening. So, yeah, it was a good event. And hopefully, we had planned to do it again in the summer and another one at Christmas. Obviously, our plans have been waylaid. Stand by. Next year, we'll do a, a, a much bigger and better one, I'm sure. And I know you auctioned off the Tej Talks t-shirt, which contributed to £14,900 of that money. Uh, 100%. No questions yeah. asked. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk Let's talk about the market. So we're recording okay. this on August the 10th. So when people hear this, just, you know, just realize that we're, we're sort of out of lockdown-ish. It's still, mm. you know, keep, we're still keeping our distance. Um, the economy is still where it is. There's a crazy buzz in buying. There's no stamp duty. Yeah. It's a bit weird at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you are a man of the market. You invest in stocks and shares. You look at the big picture. I mean, just give me your thoughts in any direction. Yeah. So, you know, bearing in mind we're recording this in August, but I think what I'm going to say will kind of probably transcend to, you know, certainly a few months and when this is going to be released. But you've got to look at... Where we are in the world as a globe, too many people think the stock market and the property market are indicators of economic health, and they are far, far from that. So those two things at the moment, as we speak in August, are both booming. Both the stock market is is raising, is is reaching all time highs, and both the property market is obscene. You know, prices are just getting silly. Um, I, I worry a lot about individuals getting into the market now, certainly from the investor point of view, because they've got a bit of FOMO, their fear of missing out. They think if I don't buy now, it's going to continue to go up and I won't, won't get it. It's kind of what I would refer to as a sucker's rally. Okay, so where we are in the market, let's look at the economic world as general. You've got a few indicators. You've got GDP at the moment in the United Kingdom is horrendous. It's falling like it's falling off a cliff. Even though we are out of lockdown and things are starting to open up again, GDP is still declining. Our UK debt is increasing. So these two are now going in opposition. So with the, the debt increasing, that's all down to the stimulus packages that are being offered. The stamp duty that's not coming in obviously adds to debt because that's money not coming in. And a few other things as well. We've got interest rates at an all-time low. So they can't really go any lower. So you look at the economy and you look at the things that the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, he's done an amazing job, don't get me wrong, of, of trying to help this situation. But I do feel now he's just putting a plaster on a gunshot wound. I feel he's delaying the inevitable. 
because he can't lower interest rates anymore. We have an econ we have a, an industry, unemployment is going up. We have user experience. Let's look at the user experience of all of these things. Going to restaurants, going to bars, going to cinemas. Yes, they're open, but they're, they are nowhere near the capacity of what they were previously. The user experience for the individual has completely changed. It's changed individuals' habits and the way they go about enjoying themselves in the, in the industry. Travel sector, decimated. You know, those people with SAs, if they've survived the lockdown, which I, I, I dare bet a lot, unfortunately, did suffer, but if they survived, we'll probably do well over this, this period. So all of that in a nutshell, what it says is we've got these all-time highs of the stock market, all-time highs of the property market, but we are in a completely different world to we were in in January, okay? So the economy with GDP, interest rates, and unemployment, three of the main factors uh, when it comes to the economy are all absolutely shot. So what I feel is we've got a broken economy and we've got two indicators here which are rocketing, which unfortunately I can't help but say are in bubbles uh, and they will come crashing down. Whether they come crashing down or whether they just stop and take a decline is a different matter. That's all an argument over price and value. So as inflation goes up, you may not see the price of a property decline, but the value of that property will be dropping because inflation is going up. That's a completely different economic chat. Um, but where we are in the market, we are in an absolutely dreadful state. Um, I feel the it, it is, it is a, a house of cards that's about to come crashing down. I feel when unemployment unfortunately shows its hand fully, um, we may well, we may well suffer. The, the stopping of stamp duty, the removal of permit developments and the, the building changes, which are all, uh, the planning changes which are all coming in, unfortunately, I don't think are going to have the desired effect in the right area. They'll have the desired effect for the property investors who are trying to jump on the bandwagon and avoid stamp duty, the property builders and the property developers who potentially want to skirt the permitted developments. But it's not going to assist um, the property market for the people who are suffering, the first-time buyers, the small families, because actually those individuals have probably just been decimated in the lockdown with unemployment, with furlough, you know, so it's, it's potentially stimulating the wrong sectors of the market. So from a property investor's point of view, I, there's, I would still buy now and I still am actively buying now. We've got a few offers on the table, but we have very much um, factored in those margins. So we've, we've factored in those margins of potential crashes, potential downturns, and the deal still stacks then. So therefore, we can still invest. Everybody else, if you have a little bit of FOMO, put your hands under your arse and sit on your hands. It really is a time to sit on your hands and, and wait for the, the inevitable. Um, it's going to be an interesting few years, I feel. I do feel we're going to have uh, inflation rising. And when inflation rises, unfortunately, the only way to stop inflation rising is to raise interest rates. Once interest rates start rising, I think a lot of these people who've overgeared themselves, high loan to values, they haven't um, stress tested their investments well enough, um, will suffer. But also you'll get the very, the middle classes of the United Kingdom are the ones who will suffer. I always say, think you've got to view everything from the eyes of the majority, not the minority. Us as property investors are look at in a minority point of view. Let's look at the majority, the middle-class households who have two kids in school, who've got a loan-to-value mortgage of 90%, who have two cars on the, on the driveway. If we raise interest rates by 1%, even 0.5%, that individual 
will start suffering. 1% rise in the average house price is an extra £240 per month on his mortgage. That will start hurting, okay? So when we're at 1%, 2%, 3% interest, 3% interest isn't even that high, that individual will probably be hurting, okay? So unfortunately, look at look at the world from the eyes of the majority, not the minority as a property investor, and look at what could potentially happen to these individuals. That's when you will get a true picture of what potentially the economy is going is doing and potentially the housing market will do in the next 18 months. Very interesting. And do you think it will be a doomsday Great Depression where they call in loans and everyone's fucked? Or do you think it's going to be sort of, or is it, can't you tell? Right. So what do I see? We're in a different position. We're in a different world to we were uh, to that in kind of 07, 08, when that was the financial crash. Then when loans, banks going bust, loans being called in, um, I don't think we will get that because what's happened now is a different is a different type of crash, should we say, or a different type of um, uh, a different type of thing. The, the bigger picture things, you know, you've got the US. I feel the US dollar may be the catalyst. So people are like, well, when's this going to happen? I personally feel that we will start seeing this between October and March. That six month period. Um, I did a post last November and I said there will be a, a property market crash Q4 2020 because there's a lot of other indicators um, that are, are that the UK property market is ready for a decline. It just needed a catalyst. Now, unfortunately, the catalyst was a global pandemic. Global pandemic. So it didn't matter what that catalyst were, but the other indicators, the other writing is still on the world wall. Um, I see where we are. It won't be it won't be rapid, but I do see us falling into a number of years of depression yes as the united kingdom as a globe what does depression look i've never lived through one i don't think you have either nobody yeah yeah i would say very few people ever have what does it what do you think it looks like on a daily when i go tesco's is it going to make a difference to my life when i'm collecting rent is it going to how does it affect me as a human i guess yeah so what you will if inflation starts to increase what it will start to to what, where you will start to see it is your, your, the cost of your shopping will start to increase. You know, that's the, on a basic day to day level, all of a sudden your physical cost of living will go up. Now, what you may then see, because obviously you're a, a full time landlord, you rely on the rents coming in. If rents aren't rising at the same rate as inflation, actually what you'll see is your, your lifestyle will become squeezed because your income isn't growing, but your cost of living is increasing okay so that's generally on a day-to-day basis where you start seeing it what you'll see elsewhere around the country you know unemployment will will start to to, will start to increase now you might not see that okay on a day-to-day basis but where you may see it is in your tenants all of a sudden your professional tenants that you have in your properties may well fall foul of this may well fall foul of um losing their job and not being able to find a new one, all of a sudden they become universal credit tenant, um, you know, falling onto the, the government for their aid. And again, that's absolutely fine because ultimately that tenant is a, is a good individual. So even if is, and this is what I try and get across to a lot of people when, when it comes to universal credit tenants and benefit tenants, a lot of people tar them with the same brush. Actually that professional tenant is the same person. The fact that unfortunately he, he will still look after your property. He will still bend over backwards to pay his rent on time. The fact that he's having to rely on the government to potentially give him that money, he will still bend over backwards to do that. Where it may bite you as a landlord is actually 
Universal Credit quite often doesn't even cover the rent. Okay, so all of a sudden he's having to dip his hand in his pocket of part-time jobs, etc. If he's got two kids to feed, what comes first? Is it paying you as the landlord, or is it feeding the children? But he's, he, they will still look after your property. So that will be one. Of the inflation will be the, the first indicator. Um, I see where where else do I see this on a on a day to day basis? That's probably the biggest one that you will see. Um, yeah. Um, and really, it will be, unfortunately, you know, what is a depression? Depression is when it's, neg- you know, when we go negative uh, GDP for, a, for an extended period of time, um, which we're pretty much in. Do we, do I see that? I, I, I see the UK recovering quite quickly, you know, where a but will recover, but we won't recover to wherever we were, if that makes sense. We will never get back to those. We will never, I feel what we're in now, people are just saying, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. I think people need to kind of understand this is the new normal. Where we are right now is the new normal. We are going to be wearing masks, you know, for, for God knows how long. The user experience of restaurants, bars, people, nightclubs will never open again for the, you know, how can no, you go? No, I need to dance, you know, It's man. little things like that. But all of a sudden that affects an entire university generation of people. Look at I went to university not to learn engineering. I went to university to go out every night and, you know, throw my student loan up against the wall. That's why I went to university, you know, and that that's so true. So the bars that, you know, what, where's that going to go? House parties. It's going to go to, you know, people meeting in, you know, in fields, in parks and having social events there. What's that meaning? We've bought all of their alcohol in Tesco's and not in the bar on the corner of the road. You know, you've got to look at, look at everything with the eyes of the majority and not the minority and all of it. It's an interesting one. I say that a lot. And actually, if you start to do that with everything you do, you do start to see things with a completely different eye. Mm, I find it so difficult to, to do that. I always look at it from my view and I'm like, oh, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't make a difference. But now you said that it's like, oh, hold on. There's so many industries in that chain that yeah. are going to be affected by one thing not being the same or like 100%. It, it, you know grass manufacturers are going to make more money because the fields are going to need replacing it's like okay uh, it's you know it comes down to this property thing you know let's this property thing throw that around <laughs> there. one of the things which i find quite interesting at the moment is you look at now the requirements of tenants moving into properties so a lot of them now want a bit of outside space they'll want to place you know those sort of those little things so then then we look at it from the other point of view so i walk around the city of York, where I live, and I look at the amount of city centre high-rise apartments that are, are being built, that will cost you, you know, between three and five hundred thousand pounds in in York. That far north, they cost that much. Yeah, in the city centre of York. Yet, okay, if you want to live in the city centre, yet you can move. You've been to my house. I am no more than about two or three miles outside of the city centre, and that would buy you a three or a four-bedroom house. But you're outside of the city. You're outside of the city. You're no longer a city liver. But what I'm getting at there is actually people's people's mentality is potentially changing because all of a sudden they've just been hit in the face with something that that people thought was never possible. We're never going to lock down. We're never going to shut the economy and have to sit at home for three months. Well, you've just done it. And I think also the whole the the remote living and the remote working environment. You look at actually commercial property bonds. So again, we're reverting back to the stock market. A lot of commercial property uh, bonds have done surveys. So Knight Frank did one um, and a few of the others did. And actually 70% of businesses have now openly said that they will never revert back to the same working conditions that they ever had because they will rely more on home working. So property investors all thinking, oh yes, here we go commercial to residential conversions in city centers. Well, 
that's looking from your eyes. Now let's look at it from the majority's eyes. Do people want city centre apartments anymore? There's already five tower blocks of properties that aren't selling and aren't renting. Do I want to build another one just because there's a commercial property that I've just that I think I can convert? So start you've got to start thinking outside the box a little bit when it comes to that. But what I'm getting at, I think, with that whole piece is the environment. We're not in a we will never return to the normal that we knew in January. This is the new normal. And we've, the quicker we all accept that, the quicker we can move forward. Um, yeah. And, and for me, one of the biggest things is travel. I travel. I fly quite a lot because I've got family who live in Northern Ireland. Um, and again, that user experience is dreadful. So I, you've got to put a mask on. Everything in the airport is closed. All of the shops. It's not an enjoyable experience. So all of a sudden, and I'm only flying an hour, all of a sudden I come home and I think, you know, I wouldn't want to go to America on holiday now because it's a nine hour flight with a mask on. I wouldn't, you know, so mentality is short haul, Europe, Ireland, staycations, that sort of thing. But what that's doing is you've got the, you've got Virgin file for bankruptcy. You know, Virgin Australia has gone, Virgin UK, you know, Richard Branson filed for um, bankruptcy in America. There's, there's reasons for that. Um, but you look at that, that's, it will impact us all on a day to day basis. Yeah, it will. And I think, yeah, accepting that new normal is going to take time naturally because it is it is quite different. I mean, I think wearing a mask isn't that, I mean, on, on a plane and for seven hours, yeah, it's going to be a pain in the ass. But wearing it to the shops and stuff, for me anyway, personally, it's become so normal. Just slap it on and I'm done. So it's, people it, have it, to it adapt. Is. It is 100%. You've, we've got to adapt. And I think people have, you know, we've embraced mm. that. And actually, if you look at the, the, the rates of increase in the UK compared to America, you know, we've done quite well. <laughs> well when you've got Trump as your leader, I mean, you're all well, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think anyone would miss America if they all sort of disappeared off you the see, map. When, Anyways, when, we talk about, when we talk about world economy and you look at um, what he's doing, he's, he's doing what's called helicopter money now. So he's basically giving every single per, and that's, again, if you, if you study economics, helicopter money is pretty much one step before the world ends. Oh, okay. Um, you know, so it's effectively where you are giving individuals money to go and spend within the economy. We as the UK have almost got, a, we've got, had a level of helicopter money with the, um, the eat out to help out. Very scheme. good scheme, by the way. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, yeah, I've just been out, even, I've just been out for a coffee this morning and even that getting 50% off makes, you know, you see it. But what I'm, what I'm getting at there is, and I get why it's been done, but it's, it's almost too little too late. It's too, it will help, don't get me wrong, and it will bring those sectors back. But again, the user experience of going to Nando's, Nando's will only ever be at 50% capacity to what it was in, in January. So you're getting 50% off your meal, but they're only serving 50% of the customers that they served in January. So as a, as a restaurant chain, they're probably, they're not booming, they're just back to where they were, but they're in a, in a different guise. Now that 50% can't go on ad infinitum, it will end. That's when we will start seeing the issues. America is a very interesting one for me because obviously the U.S. dollar is is effectively the global currency. When the U.S. dollar, um, I think the Trump election will be a huge marker in the sand. And I think that could well be the next catalyst that drives the economy. Yeah. By yeah. Downwards, because. Uh, the U.S. dollar, if it loses its uh, reserve, what's called its reserve currency status, which it almost is about to, then we're in for a, a world of of change, should we say? I think that's where you know I'm a big crypto believer, but we're not into that chat today. But um, it's done quite it's done quite well for me this month. <laughs>
interesting very you yeah. know what we, we think we need to do a separate podcast in like a month yeah. about the economy so let's as enthralling as that is and as we can go on that forever which we will if one of us doesn't <laughs> stop it um let's talk about supported living hmm. so um we all have an idea of what supported living is how would you define supported living and therefore what okay. you are doing right so supported living really is a term that's it's a term that's thrown around there and I feel quite often misconstrued. A lot of people are mis, um, uh, misunderstanding supported and social living or social housing. And that's where a lot of people mix up. Supported living really is where you are. And there's kind of 14 different demographics within it. And we'll talk briefly about those. And it goes from it's where an individual requires support. So complex learning difficulties, um, you know, PTSD situations. There are um, children. Ad, young adults leaving care, so kind of 17 to 24-year-olds. So not street homeless. Street homeless falls into it slightly as well, but actually supported living is where you require support. So um, highly complex needs. So there is a the property is rented to a registered provider, of which then there is a care organisation who looks after the individual who was in there. So it's quite a complex piece here, but it's actually helping. It's providing a home for life for these these vulnerable people so that's one of the reasons so that i'm keen on it as well because ultimately you are helping you are helping people who are far far more vulnerable but it's not the the social housing piece which i think a lot of people confuse it with so with supported living um the way it generally works is there is a lease in place so i would have a lease with what's called a registered provider and the registered provider would then have a care organization a care provider so a we're separating the lease and the care provision. The care provider would then uh, have an individual in that property and provide 24-7 care for them. Me as a landlord, I have a lease with the registered provider. All of that other piece is dealt with by them. But for me, what it means is I have a lease in place on my property for an extended period of time, 5, 7, 15 years potentially, generally at rents far, far exceeding market rate. And that's what makes it for me I've always had a passion in it. As I said to you many times before, my passion is is very much in the, the veteran side. PTSD, for instance, is, is a huge passion of mine and, and helping them. That is support. But why this for me is such a powerful piece at the moment is it's recession proof. OK, what I said to you about a few minutes ago, where where you may see this on a day to day basis because your your professional tenant subsequently lost his job. For me, I will still every single month receive my lease payment from the government back registered provider religiously without fail on that fully repairing and insuring lease. Now that's true supported living where you've got care, you have the, the provider, they're separated um, and a lease with the care provider on what's called a fully repairing and insuring lease. You also have that social housing. Now social housing is solving a problem. That is kind of your, your, your homeless, piece, your move on, your asylum seekers through Circle, through Mears, those kind of contracts, which I think a lot of people at the moment are are throwing around on social media as supported living, but they're not because there's no real support provided. What they are is social. Now, they are, they are categorically brilliant at what they're doing. They are solving a problem. They're solving a need and leases can be put in place, but the leases are nowhere near as powerful as those with supported living. They may only be a maintenance lease, so they may only do maintenance on the property, not fully repairing and insuring. So there is a distinct difference between social and, and supported. Now, I would say with the supported living gateway, 
which we'll talk about in a moment, we want to cover the whole spectrum, but very much supported living um, is, is the provision of additional care and additional support to the individual and providing a home for life. Okay. And I'm assuming there's quite a lot of providers out there at the moment and they're sort of, you know, are they happy to work with landlords? Because my experience with social housing is yeah. get lost. Yeah. <laughs> they they're, no, they're not interested. Like, for Interesting. Like yeah. Well, so this is, this, is, this is part of the problem. So what we found was that you have a lot of care providers and registered providers. So care providers will generally use a registered provider in order to, to, to provide their lease. So we've got a lot of care providers and registered providers who are desperate for properties. Okay, they are they are crying out and there's a huge, huge need for physical properties, everything from uh, shared accommodation. So HMO rooms with shared bathrooms, ensuite facilities, one bedroom flats, two bedroom houses, three bedrooms. So the entire spectrum, there's a massive, massive need. But their their core business is care. They're carers. You know, so when all of a sudden they've got a they, they've got a requirement to find a two bedroom property for this individual. Where do they revert to? They revert to kind of your right move or your internet search engine. And they spend a lot of their time trying to explain to a landlord that they want to take their property on a long, and it's, it becomes a very, very difficult situation. They don't necessarily speak the property investor's language. Now, so they're struggling. So there's a massive, massive need for properties in the, the, the supported living sector. Now, conversely, on the other side of the fence, we've got the property investors who you know, would snap a hand off for a true supported living contract, something which is paying above and beyond market rates. You've got fully repairing and insuring. So you look after none of the maintenance, no management fees. You will have zero void and it may be five, seven, 10 years. You literally do nothing. It is as true to passive income as you can possibly get. But what we find here is that property investors um, will struggle to speak the language of the care providers. They struggle to make the right connections. They struggle to get past an, an admin assistant on the front desk and speak to the, the actual correct people. So all of a sudden there's barriers. There's a barrier for these property people to get into the supported living providers and provide the right quality and standard of property. And that's really what, that was the, that was kind of what I, what, what myself and the team saw is we saw the two sides who were desperate for one another. Neither of them speak each other's language. So hence the communication between them is always, always difficult. So what is, how would you class your organization, what you're doing? What is it classed as? We're, what is it classed as? We're, we're matchmaking in essence. The, the guys laugh at me. I always refer to it. You know, when we, we have this, we're having a platform. The, the platform is not just a website. It is a, a portal where, you know, it's an interactive Properties can be uploaded. Properties can then be selected by the care providers. They can put on their demand. I'll talk briefly about that in a second. But all the rest of the team laugh at me when we were um, when we were looking to have this built. I said, so basically, we're having a dating site built. We're having where there's two sides of a fence, and one side will put wants and needs on. The care providers will say, I want this. It needs to be here to have two bedrooms, you know, ground floor access, a garden, parking, etc. We have the property investors on this side who will put up, here's my property in this location with um, two bedroom flat. This is the market rent, etc. This is when it's available. All of a sudden, what we're doing is matching the two together in the middle. So that's the main focus of the platform is matching these, these two together. Additionally to that, the care providers can upload their demands. So we have this, this heat map, we call it, which is a fantastic resource. So it will show where the demands are for all of these, these care providers. So they will, they might say, we are desperately in need of a two bedroom bungalow in, in Wigan. We need a block of five flats in, 
you know, in South Wales, we require a three bedroom property in Liverpool. They'll put on and all of a sudden it'll show on this map and it'll show where their need is. So, again, from you as a property investor, you can look on there and think, actually, there's a demand for one bedroom flats in South Wales. Right. That's going to be my next purchase. So you're almost purchasing to then fill that demand. So that heat map is a real, real interesting one. And then coupled with that, we've got education as well. Now, education is so, so important with regards to this sector, because yes, you can do it. And there's nothing wrong with the way people are doing it. But there's so many other benefits that can be achieved. So it's little things like because if you're doing, say, a block of flats and a conversion, you know, that's a commercial conversion. So the capital allowances available to support is huge. It can be classed as C2 rather than C3, which is a commercial classification for care. And that's very, very key because a SaaS individual, let's say you're using SaaS funding, can now hold this block of flat in their SaaS. You can't hold residential in your SaaS. I've got a block of flats that's residential. Well, no, because it's C2, it's care that can be held in somebody's SaaS. So you can see how actually we are going to provide a level of of teaching to individuals of how this whole strategy has gone misunderstood for years and years. We're going to bring it all together and actually try and educate the, the, the more the more advanced property. This is not a starting strategy. This is not a no money down strategy that you go and teach on a, on a stage somewhere. This is a I'm a property invest a property developer, a, a really serious property investor. How can I capitalize on the things which are available? Capital allowances. Uh, whether they be grants, you know, the green grant, which has just come out brilliant for investors. There's a thousand and one other grants um, that are available. Um, SAS funding, whether it be C2, C3, how the classification of the property, all of this thing we will encompass in a, in a training package, which is part of the portal. So you can see we're really, we've identified this massive need and this massive desire, and we're trying to solve that whole problem with one very, advanced interactive portal and that's why it's taken a team of five of us to do it wow and so i'm a landlord or i'm an investor yeah. i've got properties all over i i can go on the platform and i have to pay to register or who, who pays you okay so you will you will you will pay to join okay so you will pay a membership fee to join to upload properties but that's like think of this as if you took your property to a letting agent, you'd be paying them as if say you were doing a tenant fine service, you would pay them a tenant fine fee. So it's a it's a far, far lesser fee, but you will pay to join. Then you can upload unlimited properties to that portal. So let's say you're a, a property investor landlord with 50 properties. You can go on there and you and they will be very much displayed like a right move type search picture property details, property specifications, et cetera. Um, you have to have ownership of the property. That's something that's that's very key. So we no rent to renters and people like that because that doesn't that doesn't fit with with the leases that are going to be signed. But you as that landlord can now go on, you can upload 50 properties. Okay. They're on there. They're displayed as right move. While you're on there, you can you can dip into say the education piece. You could learn a little bit. You could look at the heat map and you can look at where potentially your next investment may be. So let's say all of a sudden you've just finished the project in South Birmingham. You see actually South Birmingham just over there has got a desire and a need for two bedroom terraced houses. Brilliant. Fits my my long-term vision as a property investor. That's what I'm going to buy next. So it allows you to buy to order, shall we say. Your properties are then visible to the other side of the fence, the care providers. 
they will, when they join, and it's free for them to join all over the care side, and we have uh, you know national care providers on board, national RPs on board. They will, when they join, they will put in their requirements. So it might say, I require properties in postcode, then then a postcode, etc. Whenever a property is uploaded with that postcode three letter, they will get a notification to say a new property is being uploaded in your area. They can look at that, they can look at the property and they can select interested. At that point, you two are put together, okay? The property investor and the care provider are put together. We as the Sported Living Gateway will sit in the middle and assist with a lease negotiation, okay? And then once this is all done and dusted, very similar to a letting agent, we would be paid a, a small fee from yourselves for the facilitation of that lease. So you can see as a property investor, what do I do? It can be twofold. I can go on and I can upload all of my properties to be visible from the care side. Or even if I haven't got properties, I can go on and I can learn about the strategies. I can learn about how best to position myself and I can look to see where I'm going to buy. Because actually, I could, if you can buy and fill, buy a property, get that exit, we refer to it as an exit, get that long lease on board. That's then a hands-free property investor and go again. Get a lease on board, hand do you see, so it's a it's a far, far um stronger exit, it's a more powerful exit, it's a more powerful strategy. And for me, what I like, it's recession proof. There is a potential to sell out to um larger funds. You look at large pension funds, which are now buy pension funds will buy supported living but not social living, so not the, the lower contract. But if you've got a lease on a property for 10 to 15 years at a rent which is in excess of, of market rent, actually there are funds, uh, there are real estate investment trusts who will buy that from you at a at a commercial valuation rather than a bricks and mortar valuation. And you can get far, far uh, inflated prices for those. So that's, a, again, a, another exit and another part of the education that we provide. Interesting. Someone was actually telling me about that the other day. I'll introduce yeah. you to them separately, who, who was telling yeah. me about the funds buying it at a minimum. Yeah. I think he said something like minimum 25 million value for this particular fund. Um, but I'm sure there's yeah. ones you buy less, right? There or, are, yeah. And they'll buy individual properties. They'll buy them on it, depending on what. So they'll buy a singular property as long as the, you know, the lease, the, the, they'll have certain criteria that have to be met, but they'll buy it on a yield basis. So let's say you are achieving, let's say your buy to let gets 10% yield, £100,000 property, you achieve 10, 10% per month. £100,000 property you receive rent, which is equivalent to £10,000 per year. Yeah, so a 10% uh, yield. Actually, what they would do is they'd buy that off you at a, a 5, 6, 7 or 8% yield. So instead of paying £100,000 bricks and mortar, they would buy that. If it was five, they would buy it off you for £200,000 because they're buying it on a yield figure, not a bricks and mortar figure. Very interesting. So actually, there's a strategy in itself, which is buy house, put, 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 put someone in supported living, sell it on. 100%. Interesting. And when you approached these like, registered care providers and, and you know that, that mm. side of things, were they like begging for it? Were they ready for it or did they have questions? Like, did you have to authorize yourself? Or? Yeah, there's a lot of that. And it's um, there was a lot of kind of qualifying ourselves as who we are, that we're doing it correctly and we're doing it ethically because that's part of this is the ethics behind it. It has to be done ethically because ultimately – Yes, we are property investors. We are in this as a business, but ultimately we are providing a, a home for life for that individual. You know, that, that individual, that vulnerable person, we have to provide a, a home for life for them. Um, so the ethics have to be correct. So yes, we were, we were, 
we would check. But we've got a member of our team, Lisa Brown, who's who's very good at that. She's got a lot of contacts in that area, and she spent a lot of time, um, you know, working those contacts, working those relationships, and that's really what sets us apart. If you are just an individual trying to property invest in in a region of the United Kingdom and think I'm going to go and contact that that care provider, you speak the wrong language. Okay, where Lisa's come from an angle, she speaks the right language. She's said what we're doing. They are they love what we're doing. They say there's been a massive, massive need for this type of thing because they're carers. They need to be getting back to their core business of caring for those individuals. They're not property people. They don't want to spend the time going around on viewing, searching right move. They want to be at the, the, the core of what they do, which is caring. What we're doing is providing an easy, easy platform where everybody on the property side, uploads the right properties, the right standard. We verify standards to ensure that we're not just getting, you know, poor standard properties on there. They've got to be of the right standard. Um, it means that when they come onto the platform, they know the property that they select is in the right area, of the right standard and the right quality. Mm. I love that. And, you know, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales all have different rules. How does this play in with those regions? Well, when you say rules... Um, you know, the care provision is still the care provision, okay? So at the moment, we do have national coverage. We've got providers in Scotland. We have them in Wales. Um, at the time of this being produced, we haven't actually got any in Northern Ireland, but it is on our list. The only reason we haven't, um, we're, we're in, if I'm honest, we're inundated with RPs and care providers who want this service. Um, and we are really rushing to get it out there. The key is we've got to also get the right properties in. What we are very careful of as a, as a team, when we vet these properties, because you as a landlord, what we don't want is you've struggled to fill a five-bedroom HMO for the past six months. I'm going to throw it on the gateway as a last resort. Well, well, no, because it still has to be of the right standard. We don't want people's dross. Um, but that's part of our job. That's why we've set it up, and that's what our team and our processes will do. Um, it's been a very highly planned uh, piece you know the other two members of the the other three members of the team are, are mark bowen leah bowen and, and russ crabtree and i think you've you've met both mark and russ at the, the event so it's been a very very well planned and structured piece to cover everything from the systems and the processes behind it we'll look at the exits with regards to the, the, the funds, the pension funds. We've got the construction element in the middle. We've got the project management piece. We've got the, the care provision side where Lisa brings a lot of that knowledge to the table to be able to speak and the right language to the care providers. All of that brought together in one team has made, will basically ensure that the Sport Living Gateway does exactly what it says on the tin. And say if I'm a landlord, am I yeah. able to, before I pay and sign up, see yeah. where the demand is? Because there could be none in my area. Yeah, so you will not get, so you'll see kind of, you will see it, but you'll not know the specifics behind it. Okay, but I'll, I'll have okay. the confidence that actually if I sign up to this, yeah. I can see it is or isn't in my area. Yeah, in essence, what we want, we, we it's really designed for people who, you know, we want to be able to, to, to cover everything. You know, and there's, there's, there's all areas and we've got separate phases, phase one, phase two, phase three that we're going for. You know, another phase of ours like what you're saying there is we, we have a lot of individuals who come to us and say, tell me what I, what I need. Here's, I've got money. Tell me who needs what, where, and I will go out and buy that. Okay. So there's almost that, that saucer piece where I have an investor who says, Richard, I've got 200 grand. I want to buy a property that you can put a lease on it. That does that. Okay. 
and there is that that and that will be phase two because we are we are being approached by a lot of people who say i have funds available i just want to i don't want to buy one and then try and get a lease on it i want the whole package tell me what i need to do where and you get me a lease and then i'll i'll refinance it out the back end that's phase two of the site and there's a, a load more going on with with regards to to phase two but as you can see it's a it's one of those that we are we're so rapidly moving forward with it we're so excited to get this thing this thing launched and and start marrying those those people up once the leases are signed you know you can then as the property investor hopefully sit back for that extended period of time in a hands-free fully repairing insurance lease. The, the key with a fully repairing and insuring lease is exactly that it's the individual the care, the the, rent, the provider will do all of the maintenance they'll do all of the repairs and they will insure the property more on the, the you know we spoke earlier on about the the social living quite often they are only maintenance leases where the the, the organization will only do basic maintenance on the property okay so there is a distinct difference as a sport living gateway we will we will push for the fri leases with yourselves that allows for more commercial valuations and allows for a more inflated uh, potential future price the other side there is still a huge demand but um let's not let's not mix the two up and as i say we see a lot recently of people on social media doing a lot of social housing absolutely great causes absolutely need for it but not quite the same yeah i think the fri lease is something that every landlord especially in bytelets wants but like you said there's been a disconnect and i've personally experienced it and i know people who have where you know we see these care providers we see these registered and we just can't sort of get to the point where we agree a lease and councils are useless they don't do any of the, you know maybe maybe in like england they do it but where i invest they don't so it's nice to have something to connect the two because actually yeah it really is lacking like and that's exactly it and that's why we've called it the gateway because what's missing is that connection between the two you know you what you know, you would struggle with getting into that, that the care provision, the RPs, but they may not have council support. They may not have commissioner support. But actually, by the time hopefully they come to us, those those that's all been ironed out, and they're coming to us with a specific demand and a specific region and a specific kind of want list. I received a want list the other day from from one um, from one um, organisation, and it was simply it, and it, it, they couldn't have been. A bigger spectrum they said we want shared accommodation their only their only caveat was shared accommodation had to be en suite so we want shared accommodation uh one bed flats two bed houses and three beds and they listed off the regions and it was you know a lot of northern towns there was uh, northwest towns and going as far as northern birmingham but actually because they were a national organization i just got a huge want list now that put onto our heat map will allow a lot of individuals to potentially say, do you know what? I operate already in this region. I have two bedroom properties. Firstly, I'll upload my properties, but secondly, maybe there's, there's um, potential to buy another, you know, buy the, the, another investment property here because I know there is demand. So as you can see, it's a huge, it's a huge piece. Um, and yeah, we're really excited to do it, but a lot of that is education as well. You know, and, there's there's we will you know as part of the piece there is an education package on the on the site once you join um but then there's further education more for the bigger developers when it comes to you know using the sas funds using the the capital allowances capital allowances are so underused with regards to some of these developments that are potentially going on people just totally overlook them and they're so powerful with regards to this strategy okay and um when is it launching uh launching the seventh well I'm going to say mid-September. I'll get hung if I put a date on it. Um, 
but we have mid-September as the launch. We should be getting this site for our internal testing as of next week. So we are middle October, uh, August as we record this. So we'll get the site for testing. We want to shoot, make sure all of this, the marrying up, should we say, works, all of the user experience works, all of that, that provision works. Um, we have our first um, event hopefully happening in November. Okay. Um, and I will be doing two webinars, depending on when you launch this. They may have already happened or they may be coming. But two webinars, um, really, to anybody who's interested, to explain and a walk through the platform, to talk about the site, to talk how it works. We'll walk through it live on, on the screen. We'll show you the demand, how it works, all of that. So I'll be doing two webinars um, and then run up to it launching. The idea being so that it gives you a visibility of that back end. So... You can then see what's in that back end before ever paying and you can think, right, there's nothing in there at the moment that that I can use. But what I need to do is go and do, you know, do this, this, this and this. Then I'm going to subscribe and then I'm in. But it's going to be on a monthly subscription basis. You upload properties. Once your property is taken, you're well within your rights just to step away. When I have another property, we'll rejoin. That's how we're going to to kind of work it on a on kind of an administrative front. Amazing. And if people want to get a hold of you personally and yeah. or for the gateway, what's the best way to do it? Yeah. So hopefully everybody, please go and at least have a look at the gateway, which is uh, www.supportedlivinggateway.com. And um, people can get in touch with me on social media. Blue Oak, please join the Blue Oak community. And again, touch base with me there. Or again, I'm more than happy if people have specific questions with regards to sport living, contact me at rich at supportedlivinggateway.com. Um, and I'm more than happy to talk this subject all day long. Amazing. Rich, thank you so much for coming back onto the Tej Talks podcast. Fantastic. Thank you, for, thank you for having me. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.